Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. U.S. Congressman Tom Marino joining us this morning on WILK to walk us through a story that we are also searching for clarification on. So, uh, Tom, thank you for joining our show. It's My pleasure. All right. Can we please baby step through this story? Because it's very complex for us to understand, Tom. And I we read all kinds of stories about this, and we're still not clear what happened here. Okay. So do you mind going back to the beginning of this story uh, which began with your encounter, to my understanding, with uh, a pharmacist, correct? Right. I, in my, in my district, uh, visited a couple of pharmacies and outside my district and heard from pharmacists uh, in uh, 2014 that they were having a very difficult time getting the drugs they needed for their cancer patients, uh, senior citizens, uh, people who needed pain medication uh, because of uh, just a terminal or constant issue they had to deal with. So I went back to my office. I said to my staff, let's look into this. Let's find out what's going on here. And we did an extensive amount of uh, research, and we found out that this is true, that uh, People, the pharmacists, weren't able to get the medication for the patients. And the reason that we found out that this was happening is because there was a DEA agent who uh, just went into the distributor, not the pharmaceutical company, not the pharmacy, went to the person who gets the drug from the entity who gets the drug from the pharmaceutical company and then sends it to the pharmacy or hospitals, that uh, he was just shutting them down uh, without any uh, notice or without any, I refer to it as indication that they were doing anything wrong. I'm not saying that uh, that all distributors are playing by the rules, but most of them were. And we found out that there's legislation from years and years ago that said that the DEA could go in and shut a distributor down who, uh, because of imminent danger. Well, the problem with that is we found out that imminent danger in legislation had no explanation as to what eminent danger meant. It just said eminent danger. And you know in legislation we have to explain everything. So we started working on legislation that explained what eminent danger means. And there was also a report by uh, the General Accounting Office uh, the go- excuse me, the Government Accountability Office put a report out that said 
there is uncertainty regarding whether the DEA has authority to stop the drugs like this based on the fact that there's no explanation of what imminent danger is, and Congress needs to look at this and explain what it means by imminent danger. So we did. And it's, you know, a high probability that uh, uh, people uh, are in danger or dying because of uh, opioids, and we know that's the case, but this agent tried to link it to the distributor instead of going to, here's how, when I was a district attorney and U.S. attorney, how we followed things like this because I prosecuted cases like this. Uh, the D, uh, the uh, distributor would call to a DEA's attention, and there seems to be an increase in the order of these drugs, oxycontin, oxycodone, things of that nature, in a particular area. But we had this agent who said, you're being held responsible for this and we're shutting you down. And I've been told this agent was asked by the distributors, why are you doing this to us? Because I can. And, well, what is the meaning of imminent danger? And the agent says, it's whatever I say it is. I don't like that. Law is the law. It's not up to an individual agent, I don't care who they are, to determine uh, what the meaning is. So we clarified that. And in 2014, uh, it went through the Energy and Commerce Committee that had jurisdiction over it. It's only a two-and-a-half-page, double-spaced piece of legislation that says what imminent danger is. So it passed by voice vote in the House, but um, Republicans and Democrats, nobody opposed it. Then it went over to the Senate, but in 14, the Senate really did nothing with it. So then, uh, or just before 14, they did nothing with it. We, we uh, submitted it again, went to Energy and Commerce, voted out of Energy and Commerce again in the House. Voice vote, no one voted against it, passed on the floor. Everyone voted for it, sent it to the Senate. And meanwhile, I want to make clear that we were working with the DEA on this language. Now, the one agent didn't like it, but the DEA people that we were working with said, we can live with this. So then it was sent over to the Senate, and as the Senate usually does, they change things a little bit. And Senator Hatch, a Republican, Senator Whitehouse, uh, worked on it a little bit. They worked with DEA and the Justice Department, and then they tweaked uh, the imminent danger language a little bit more. <clears throat> they checked with us. They said, Tom, do you have any problem with this? Nope, that's fine. As long as everybody's on board, everybody was on board, DEA, Justice Department, and it went to the president, and he signed it. Now, at any given time, a senator could have stopped that in its tracks, and no one did. And now, because a couple of senators uh, are up for re-election over there, they're running with their tail between their legs because of this bogus 60-minute and uh, Washington Post report that I colluded with the drug industry uh, because uh, they donated to my campaign.
Well, I don't care who, who donates to my campaign. That has no effect on how I see the law. I fought drug dealers and put programs together my whole career for people that were addicted to drugs. And I'm pretty darn proud of the way that worked because had I been the appointed to the drug czar's mission, one of my uh, plan was to really go after the prevention, inpatient treatment, and travel around the country and see where our money's, what's happening with our money, and uh, following the budget. But this agent uh, was removed from his position. On 60 Minutes, he said he had 600 people or 400 people that he supervised, and then the next day he found, he found out that he was removed from that and didn't have authority anymore. So the the agent that you are referencing, I'm assuming, is the 60 Minutes whistleblower. Is that right? Yeah, and whistleblower. Yeah, he's not a whistleblower. Well, Whistle- that's what the story was called, so that's why I used yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. I understand that. You know, whistleblowers tell us when something goes wrong. This guy had an axe to grind. He didn't like the idea uh, that he was removed. And now this so-called whistleblower is saying that who... And also he said, any of us who voted for this are helping drug dealers. We're supporting drug dealers. Now, you know me better than that when it comes to particular drug dealers. Uh, I put a lot of those people away and helped a lot of people who were addicted. But this guy uh, says that... uh, DOJ upper echelon put pressure on him uh, not to do his job, which is ridiculous because I've worked with DEA agents all my life. They're the best agents out there. And uh, as long as they're following the law, I have no problem with it. So then he, he mysteriously resigned, and now he's working for plaintiff's lawyers uh, who are suing the pharmacy companies, uh, and he's on a retainer as a consultant. Now, here's a guy who criticized other people for going to work for the drug industry, and look where he's at. He's, uh, he's with the plaintiff's lawyers who are trying to make big money. And also, the language that we put in for eminent danger is the same type of language, and I'm using this as an analogy. Years and years ago, government would go in and shut coal mines down. Again, without any particular uh, law saying what the evidence they had to shut it down. So it's basically the same thing that uh, the coal industry has, and it's working fine. And the DEA agents have told me since then it's a great relationship because now the distributors are bringing information to the DEA's attention. And you don't go to the DEA and ho- you don't go to the distributors to hold them responsible. What they, sh- what they should have done, this guy should have done, is said, all right, tell me what pharmacies are ordering these drugs. Who are ordering these drugs? What hospitals? And then you go to the pharmacy and say, hey, why are you ordering so many of these? And who is prescribing them? And what doctors, and of course most doctors aren't over-prescribing, but there are those who are out there doing it. Now, uh, let me stop you there. Does the DEA have the latitude right now to do what you're saying, which is go to pharmacies that are receiving big shipments of 
opioids to find out where do they have the latitude to do that? They have it because, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Uh, before my legislation, they uh, were not shutting down this specific area of large amount of opioids being sent around the country. After our legislation, and I want to emphasize, there were Democrats in the House who were on this legislation with me. They co-sponsored it, and in the Senate, Republicans and Democrats. And it was brought up in a hearing the other day when one of the Democrats in the House who was on the bill with me asked the agent, well, look, before our bill, you had this low amount of addressing this issue. After our bill, the numbers went up, and this actually helped you. And uh, the DEA, when questioned last week, uh, was asked, does, it, what, does this bill hinder you? And the deputy assistant that was uh, testifying said, no way does this bill hinder us doing our job. Uh, Tom, who is the Democratic uh, representative who who asked that question? What kind of hearing was this? Uh, The hearing was an energy and commerce hearing where the chairman uh, brought DEA in to a public hearing uh, on this issue. What are the problems? Is there something preventing you from doing your job? And plus the DEA was supposed to send a report on... I don't know if it was a six-month basis or a yearly basis on how things were going. They never sent that. So they were really taking the task uh, by the committee, the Republicans and Democrats. And it was the Democrat who brought this out to the DEA saying, well, look, you're doing more work now with our legislation. What's the problem? They couldn't answer the question. Who is the rep? Who's the rep, the Democratic rep? The chairman of the... uh, committee is a Republican Walden, and Marsha Black is a Republican who was on with me on our side. And then on the other side, um, there was, uh, I think it's Congressman Chu, and there was, um, give me a second here, I'll, uh, uh, yeah, Peter, I Welsh. Welsh? Peter Welsh was the one that said, well, look, Here's our legislation, and it seems that you're doing better. And they were they were stumbling around. But I want to make it clear that you know, the government accountability said the old law isn't clear. Let's fix it, and we did. And the people, the, the deputy assistant who testifies says this isn't preventing us from doing our work at all. And then you have this guy go out because he's got an axe to grind. And he goes to someone like 60 Minutes in the Washington Post. Uh, come on. And I, uh, Orrin Hatch and Ebron, who was a Republican in the Senate, and Senator Whitehouse, who's a Democrat, who sponsored it over there. And you know, like the Senate usually does, they take our bill and change it, put their name on it, and I never had a problem with it. And they had some real nice uh, op-eds, the Washington Post and others, saying this is nothing but a couple of senators over there who are worried about being reelected, And so without even reading my legislation, two and a half pages double-spaced, where the only language that was changed was two lines in a paragraph, and they said they didn't have a chance to read it. Well, they voted for it. And the one senator said, 
Well, I raised Cain with my staff and told them, you know, he was blaming his staff. Any person, any elected official who blames their staff uh, is pathetic because even on a suspension vote, we get a list, the House and the Senate, as what votes in committee and on the floor during debate were voted on unanimously, meaning no one voted against it. And it's there for them to read. It's just that they didn't read it. They didn't take the time to read it. And they blame their staff, which is, I think, is, it's, it's, the hypocrisy is extraordinary. And so because they're in trouble in other states, they figure, well, let's go after this bill that they didn't even read, and they just paid attention to, someone brought to their, to their attention that, hey, Marino's uh, getting money from uh, the uh, drug industry. I have a lot of people, uh, lobbyists and people in my district and around the country who donate to my campaign. And if you want to look back to this senator's, uh, his campaigns, he got a heck of a lot more money from me uh, than me who, from senator? the drug industry. Which senators? Manchin from West Virginia. Okay. okay. Now, Tom. Based upon what you said, yes. which seems to, to make some sense, and they've had some hearings, why didn't you fight this more vigorously when it could have been fought in the aftermath of the 60 Minutes piece? And why didn't you explain it to keep your name in contention as drugs are? Because I was what is normally done. I was ready to go before the Senate Judiciary Committee for Confirmation. And what is tradition always told to the person going to the committee, do not do any of your interviews, do not do any speeches, do not do any... Uh, they sometimes even tell you not to vote, but I still go to D.C. and vote. And it was, you're going to come up for a hearing, you can explain all this at the hearing, do not say a word about this. Why did you feel compelled to withdraw your name? Because I didn't want this to get in the way of the other work that we're pursuing, like uh, the tax, the budget, uh, reducing the taxes. You know, the president has enough stuff being thrown at him. I th- thought that it's just best for me to step aside so they can't use me as a lightning rod because we have to get the business of this country going. And one of the most important things is getting this tax bill going. And that's why I did that. And the president said to me, uh, look, is there something else that we can do? And I said, no, let's just take, let's take care of this business. And then sometime down the road, uh, if, if I'm interested, you and I will talk. But... Uh, you know, I would have been a good uh, drug czar because of my past experience of going after the drug dealers and the way I helped set up the drug court in my county, the way I helped set up the education and their programs in the schools, and how passionate I am and uh, want to bring this epidemic to its knees. And the people that I was thinking about sitting around me, we could have done this. Are you planning on running for office again, Tom? Yeah, why not? I have work to do. Okay. I'm still sticking with the uh, working on the, the opioid issues, which are, are uh, very important to me. Uh, I have been working on 
opioid issues for the longest time uh, since I've been in uh, in Congress. I mean, there are bills that uh, uh, that I've worked on. I was uh, uh, one of the original sponsors of what we call the Comprehensive Addiction Recovery Act uh, that uh, uh, had the federal government sent down to the states large amounts of money for prevention, for law enforcement, for uh, heroin uh, misuse. In fact, it went over to the Senate. It needed some uh, uh, changes, so I was one of the few selected to, to go into committee with the, with the Republicans and Democrats in the House and the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate. And for a couple of weeks, we worked on that language. And uh, we got that passed. Uh, the Cures Act, uh, which I uh, was very heavily into, which says, look, we need funding for medical research, particularly when it comes to opioid and what these drugs do. Uh, what's called the IMD Exclusion Act, meaning that there was a, uh, a ridiculous law that said for people with mental health issues, and particularly people who are addicted to drugs, uh, they couldn't get money for facilities that had uh, more than 16 beds, so they wanted to limit it to 16 beds. I, uh, was, I worked with, uh, agreed with Senator Durbin, the, the whip over in the Senate, Democrat Senate, said they should put no limit on the beds. How can you put, what do you say to person 17 and the person number 19 or 30, hey, sorry, we don't have enough beds. So, you know, my life has been devoted to putting the bad guys in jail, and uh, helping people that are addicted, because this is an epidemic. This is a disease, and we need to have the money there to help people get inpatient treatment. That's critical, and, and programs that are working. Now, their money is being spent out there. Their programs aren't working, and we have to stop those and go back to the drawing board. Okay. Uh, with your conversation with President Trump about uh, the withdrawal of your name, Yeah. Did he suggest you withdraw your name, or did you? No, the conversation, when, he, when we talked, I said, listen, I think the best thing to do here so we can move on with this. And uh, I really brought the subject up. Okay. And in terms of uh, now there is a, a movement among your colleagues to revisit this and perhaps repeal it. Would you support that repeal, or will you stand up and say, no, you're wrong, this is working. We have evidence to suggest, even from those who are in the trenches that it's a good it's a good piece of legislation. I stand by this legislation. Do you think I if there's anybody out there that thinks that uh, I would not pay attention to this epidemic and uh, that I am in the pockets of the uh, drug companies, they do not know me. That's all there is to it. And there's only a handful of people that, uh, unfortunately, one guy from my district in Pennsylvania, one of the House members, jumped on it and said, we should repeal this. So did you read it? Well, no, I saw 60 Minutes. And you're going to believe 60 Minutes over one of your colleagues. Here's, you know, look at the legislation. It's two and a half pages. I stand by this. The DEA says it hasn't changed. Uh, everybody voted for this. And then in the Senate, it would only take, as I repeated myself, one senator to stand up and say, I don't agree with this. And it didn't happen. 
Are people uh, behind the scenes, Tom, supportive of this legislation, but afraid to talk about it publicly? I'm just asking because yeah. it seems like everybody and their sister is now uh, throwing their hands up and saying that this is bad. So you're saying behind the scenes there are people who still support this? There, there are, are many people. There's only There are only a few people. Uh, there's a Democrat in the House side that wants to repeal it, Republican, a new Republican that said we should repeal it. And these are people that are in districts uh, that uh, they're worried about getting reelected. Two senators. One senator said that uh, uh, she wasn't there when it was done. And actually, the Washington Post pointed out that, yes, you were. So come on, tell the truth. Don't be a hypocrite about this. If you don't like it, specifically say why you don't like it. They don't like it because they need an issue, particularly on the Senate side, to go back to their districts and tell the people how great they're concerned about this. And they weren't until it became uh, a bogus issue on, on, 60, on 60 Minutes and the Washington Post. I mean, this is, uh, these are the kind of, you know something, these are members of the swamp. These are people who want to stay in their $174,000 a year job and then when things get uh, uh, tough, uh, they run with their tail between their legs just so they can get reelected. And I know I shouldn't go into this, but that's why I'm a big term limit guy, just because of reasons just like this. But this is good legislation. It would certainly, what we had planned, bring the drug, epi- uh, the opioid epidemic to its knees. And I'm still going to fight as hard as I can uh, to do this. I would have been in a much better position as the drugs are, but that's not going to deter me uh, from uh, continuing to work to save the lives, particularly of our young people. I have two close friends that lost kids because of opioid uh, overdoses. And you know something? The thing that's killing, doing most of the killing is the fentanyl. Yes, that's true. Now, I want to ask you something that's a little off topic, and I don't know if you can answer it. Have you read the um, indictment against Paul Manafort. I have not. In okay. fact, when I'm headed back to D.C. today, I asked for a copy of it. I want to sit okay. down and go through it. Okay, because these are other issues that obviously are on the periphery and um, you know are concerning to the country at large and may impact uh, the effectiveness of the president going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, we're at, at this point, there's... Uh, Sue, so there's so much vitriol in D.C. Uh, on, on both sides. And if people would stop worrying about keeping power or getting power or getting reelected and really do what they're supposed to do, and this, you have to meet somewhere. The, the right can't have everything it, it wants. The left can't have any, everything that it, it wants. But there are numbers now that can stop votes because of that. I'd rather leave the table with half a loaf of bread than no bread at all. And we've got to sit down and negotiate, but uh, it's turned into, uh, uh, I'm afraid for my children's future. All right. So, Congressman Marino, we always appreciate your input on the show. Thanks for taking a lot of time to speak to us today. It's much appreciated. Thank you so much. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.